0: Good morning to you. David just said, we went a little bit over, but not too bad. I said, I think the preacher talked a little bit long the first time. So anyway, so we're just so glad you're here. Thank you so much for sharing this day with us. And a very special day on another sense is that today we start our family series. Every year, generally speaking, around Mother's Day, Father's Day, we try to do a series of messages um, that tie together on the theme of family. And this year, we're talking about home guard. In other words, how do you guard your home? You know, the Bible is such an incredible book. And again, won't go into details, but you know and I know hundred millennia, millennia, this book has stood the test of time. And here's what's cool: the wisdom of the Bible is just good advice. I mean, if you're here today, you may be, you know, mom said, it would really make my day if you went to church. You don't only really do the God thing, don't use go to church. You know, the cool thing about the Bible, a chunk of it. Man, it's just good advice for how we can do life and do families in spite of where we stand with God. Now, you're going to hear the message. The most important thing is our standing with God and how that can happen. But there's good advice in the Bible. So today we want to start with the idea, the concept of guarding our heart. And I realized that that as I did this, that this really is the basis message. This is like where it all starts. And then coming up in the weeks to come, and you saw it in the video, if you looked in the video, like next week, and um, we're going to talk about um, choosing your mate and living with the mate you got. <laughs> that's, yeah, that all, that's worth coming back for. If you're single today, you know, how do you choose a mate? You know, what's God got to say about that? And he does got a lot to say about that, has a lot to say about that. And then, what if you got a mate and you know, you're maybe struggling, maybe not, but how do you live with that mate? And then the week after that, Brother Jeremy Bennett will be speaking and he's going to talk about guard your time. Guard your time. And his key thought, unless something changes, is the idea of what do you do with a busy life? Anyone here have a busy life? Yeah, well, don't miss that Sunday, okay? All right? A busy life and and the thought of wasted years. What do you do if you look back in your past and there's a lot of wasted time and wasted years? What do you do with that? Well, Brother Jeremy's going to talk about that. Then after that, we're going to go into legacy. We're going to guard your legacy. That's our senior adult Sunday. And we all are writing a story. What does that story look like? And then we're going to talk about money. And that's almost always um, from First Timothy in chapter 6. It's got two great passages of scriptures there that talk about finances, guarding our finances. And finally, on Dad's day... To guard your family. And I picked a, te- a text out of the Old Testament that's new and fresh, trying to encourage us as men to be warriors for our family. So I really think it's going to be a good series. I hope you'll prioritize that Sunday morning. Try to be here. I know it's vacation, ball teams, and all that going on. But don't forget, all these messages are always on our website. If you go to our website, doorsville.com, and click on the link there, it'll take you to sermon.net, and you can hear the messages online anytime you'd like to, or rehear them if there's something. Something that you'd like to get. So, guard your heart. I told Judy this week, I said, so the challenge begins already, and how do you paint the picture of guard your heart? Now, for a lot of us, when we think about our heart, of course, we think about this thing beating in our chest, an amazing organ um, that that God created in our bodies, the fact it pumps gallons and gallons and gallons of blood for years and years and years and years. It's just an amazing thing. But that would be like totally missing the point. And then we think about the little heart that we draw with an arrow drawn through it. And, and of course, that's nice and that's cute. But, again, that's not the idea either. And, frankly, for some reason, by the way, guys, i got to confess to you, not, I don't think because it's Mother's Day, but I felt compelled to talk to the guys today. Not intentionally. I hope to get everybody in, but if I talk about guys, it's because it's been on my brain. Maybe because I are one. I don't know. But anyway, we think about that heart, and it's mushy and gooey, but it really doesn't speak to a lot of us where we are. So that really wasn't what I wanted either. So I thought about an apple. Doesn't that just stir thoughts of a heart to you? When you think about a heart, you think about an apple. Well, throw up that first picture, Nancy. And, and you'll kind of see this. This is a wallpaper effect that we have. And when we think about an apple, we normally think about the red and green there. We think about this little fruit that's in a bowl Okay, And it looks nice and shiny. The grainsmiths are green and the Jonathans are red. And the and envy the, uh, apples are, are red and yellow. And the golden delicious are yellow. That's kind of what we think about an apple. But but, but but we really need to go a little bit deeper than that to really understand the apple. The next picture that we have today, there you go. Not as pretty, but it really shows what an apple is all about. Now, notice something. You see the red part there? That's the skin. And that's what's aesthetically pleasing to us. You know, when you go to the store, you do a couple of things. You look at the fruit and your eyes pick it up and say, that is one good-looking apple or that's one good-looking banana or that's one good-looking pineapple, whatever it is. And you eye it and aesthetically, it's very pleasing. Well, that's kind of like us. You know, on the outside, we are a person and we want to make sure that we look good on the outside, okay? So it's awfully easy frankly it 's awful easy look pretty good on the outside, but it does not stop there and in fact, fact that 's just one small portion of what people are. Then we get down to that big white part, and that 's called the the fruit it 's called the the uh, the solid the, the muscle of it if you will and and that is the part that tastes good that tastes good but the bottom line is this that 's still not the most important it 's what Our inner circle may know more about us. If we're talking about people, the inner circle may know more about us. It's a bulk of who we are. But listen, it's not the most important thing. Whoa, 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 Dwayne. Dwayne, I thought apples were made to eat. I thought apples. And so apples are made to eat. Then the big part is the important part. Not necessarily. Because when you compare that to the middle, the other two pieces fade away. When you take our lives, the outside, the aesthetic part, the outward-looking part, and even that bulk that most people know us, who know us know about us, when you, that all pales to when you get to the, no pun intended, the core of the matter. Because, see, the apple core is the most important part of an apple. Have you ever thought about that? I remember Doug Lambert. I mentioned Lambert once. But, but Doug always had stories about, you know, about poor, he said we were so poor that we didn't know it, we thought poor people were just normal but he said how that when they were, they were young in the Great Depression that they would eat apples and you didn't stop, you know what I did, I ate apples this last, the week before last, I ate an apple and I chawed her down, you know, and got down to that little park they call the core, chuck that sucker, you know, that wasn't good, I chucked it, but Dad, Doug said no, 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 back in the Depression you ate everything it just chewed a little more you, you ate the meat of it, you know, the, the part of it everybody knows, and you kept right on eating until there was nothing left, including the seeds in the middle. Nothing went to waste. Well, that core there holds the apple together. It's the core that holds the aesthetic part, the skin, and the meat together. And you know, it's so true about us, that at our core, the most important part is it holds our lives together. It really makes up who we are. But you know there's something even more important than that? You see those little dots there? What are those? Seeds. You know why that's important? All the future apples in the world hinge on those seeds. The legacy of the apple stops without the seeds. As soon as the tree dies that bore that fruit without seeds, there are no more apples. And it's true of us. Yes, it's important that we look good on the outside. It's important that those who know us a little bit better, they see the substance of who we are as a person. But we need to have that structure that holds it all together. And we have a legacy that we are writing. And that legacy depends on the seeds that are inside of us. And I maintain to you today that all that hinges on God. All that hinges on God. We can be the person we need to be, the fruit of who we need to be, because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ now so with that thought in mind discarding the little heart with the arrow through it discarding the the muscle that's beating in your chest think about who you are at the core you've got an aesthetic appearance you've got the meat part that those know you more and better know but who are you at the core who are you at your heart not the beating thing not the thing the arrow through it who are you at your core Well, the problem is this, is if we're all honest, at the core, most of us wonder. That's not W-O-N-D-R, oh, I wonder, wonder, no, not that wonder, okay? It's the W-A-N-D-R. Our our hearts tend to wonder. I think that's what Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 6, verse 20 through 21, and that's the first uh, scripture on your sermon sheet today. Now, let me read through it and I'll bring you back a couple of observations. Here's Matthew 6, 20, and 21. Here's what Jesus said Don't collect for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But, he says in verse 20, collect for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Also, So there's like several things there that are really cool. First off, we are all treasure collectors. As we as individuals journey through life, okay, we collect treasures, every one of us. And Jesus says it breaks down into two categories. There are those who collect treasures on earth and those who collect treasures in heaven. Treasures in earth... Treasures in heaven. We all seek after, we all collect treasures, but the only difference is where they're located, on earth or in heaven. Now, here's what he says about the ones on earth. They're temporal. They're temporary. We were just talking about trucks yesterday. And Jonathan was talking, you know, and we're talking about buying trucks. And they're incredibly expensive. I mean, it's crazy how much money you spend on a truck. And then Jonathan made this comment. He said, yeah, you know, you pay $48,000 for our truck, and in 20 years, it's worth nine. And you go, and I said, if you're lucky, if you're lucky. Well, that's what Jesus is saying in these treasures on earth, where he says, We're moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. If, our, if we are collectors of treasures on the earth, they're temporal. They don't last. And there are things that break in and steal them, and there are things that will destroy them. So, so if if our treasure collection is earthly stuff, in the end it's just not going to be there. It's not going to be there. Okay. But then he says this: if we collect our treasures in heaven, treasures in heaven where where moth and rust does, uh, rust destroys, or neither. I'm sorry, where moth and rust destroys, or where thieves don't break in and steal. He said if we collect treasures in heaven, that those are things that are eternal. Those are things that eternal. And we do those treasures, and, and they look like things like the Baptist children's home, Uganda, Nicaragua, teaching, loving, sharing, good, good mom, good dad, godly mom, godly dad. Those things. Those things. Those treasures that are eternal, those things that are shrouded in the kingdom of God's stuff. The things that are at the heart of God's stuff. Those things... Moths can't get, thieves can't steal, and rust can't destroy. Now, here's the deal. Again, speaking mostly today to believers in Christ, but hang on if you're not, i got some stuff for you at the end too, and a lot of the stuff you can use, okay? But but here's the deal. Speaking to believers in Christ, here's the deal. Our core, our heart, the center of our apple, it has a tendency to wander. You know, look what he says in verse number 21. For where your treasure is there your heart will be also. So in other words, our heart has a tendency to follow the things we treasure. If we treasure the things on earth, our heart tends to follow toward the earth or toward treasure on earth. If if our heart, if our treasure is things in heaven, then our heart, our core, lines up and follows after the things of the kingdom. So when I was in third grade, my teacher was Mrs. Wilson, and she was like, you know, Mrs. Jones, I already told you, was like, like, woo-woo, you know. I fell in love with her. And, and second grade, Mrs. Webb was kind of woo-woo. Mrs. Mrs. Uh, Wilson was not that. Uh, she, she, she was probably like 90 years old. And she had been teaching long enough to where, you know, well, never mind. It wasn't a pretty scene for me because I was used to falling in love with teachers. But anyway, and so Mrs. Wilson was, was a very stern teacher. And you can probably guess I wasn't a very stern student. And so I walked up to her one day. I remember this very well. I walked up to her and I said these words. I said, Mrs. Wilson, how do you spell world? I don't know what the word was. How do you spell world? And you know what she said? Look it up in the dictionary. Now, I know if you're a teacher, please don't get the door and say that was a good answer because I'm just telling you to my third grade brain, it wasn't a very good answer. Because I wanted to say, Mrs. Wilson, if I could spell it and look it up the dictionary, I wouldn't be asking you this question. I think you have to know how to spell it to look it up in the dictionary. I know Judy. She's a wonderful wife. And sometimes I lose things. Anyone here lose things? Uh, Yeah, hello. So I'll go to Judy sometimes and say something like this. Judy, have you seen my keys? And she'll say something like this. Where did you put them? I want to say, Mrs. Wilson, Judy, if I knew where I put them, I wouldn't be asking you this question. I don't know where I put them. Well, here's the deal. Did you know, really, based on these scriptures... You don't ever have to wonder where your heart is. You don't ever have to wonder where your heart is. Because Jesus says, if your treasures are of the earth, your heart's going to follow your treasure. It's It's a spiritual fact. Your heart follows your treasure. So if you treasure the things of earth, you can bank it down. That's where your heart is. If you treasure the things of God, you mark it down. That's where your heart is. And by the way, can I just pause here? Going back to my Apple illustration. You know, I told you it's important that we look on the outside. You know, it's important we look good, but not the most important thing. A lot of us look really, really good and spiritual, but inside we know there are issues. Our heart tells us so. Our heart tells us. You know, being spiritual and, and really being a God lover and a Jesus follower isn't about going to church or how often we go to church or how good we look when we get there and knowing the right songs and the right words. No, no, no. It's what's going on in our heart. It's what's going on in our heart. And so, so the key thought is then, the key thought is, is that our heart follows our treasure, and here's the deal. Our heart's kind of prone to wander. And in and, and 1775, I know that's a long time ago. I don't think anybody was alive then that's here. Um, but in 1775, um, a guy named Robert Robinson wrote a song. And the song was, Come Thou Fount." And guess what? We still sing it today. We sing a version of it today. It's still one of the most popular hymns that were. And it's really cool because I thought it kind of cool. He started out as a Methodist and became a Baptist. Usually the Baptists leave and go to the Methodist. But this time it's back around. You know, he was a Methodist and became a Baptist. And here's what that song says. The third verse, I think it is. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I'm constrained or pulled to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter, like a bungee cord, like a rope, by my wandering heart to Thee. Now listen carefully. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, O oh, take and seal it. Seal it for Thy courts above. Robert Robson wrote a great song about the fact that our hearts have this tendency To wander because our hearts seek after treasure. And if our treasure changes, then our heart likes to follow. You know, I have a couple of grand dogs. I have three grand dogs. We have Zozo that lives with Becca. And with Jen and Matt and Murray, we have two other grand dogs. And that is Rupp and Callie. Both of them, I think, were rescue dogs. Um, Rupp is the compliant one. Um, It really is a good dog. I, I, I don't know if Jennifer will ever listen to this message or not, but there's great debate because she thinks this dog is a Chihuahua. This sucker weighs 20, 25 pounds. There ain't no Chihuahua in this dog. But she's convinced she's got a Chihuahua. And I think Rupp might think he's a Chihuahua. I don't know. But he's so compliant. And then after we got Rupp as the grand dog... About a year later, she somehow talked Matt into getting dog number two. And Matt, at that time, didn't even like dogs. And we got dog number two, and this was Callie. And Callie was rescue dog. And I know why she needed rescuing. Because she's prone to wander. Let me tell you about this dog. Let me tell you about this dog. This dog, when you open the door, bolts out the door. She has no destination in mind besides Away. Away. As fast and as far as she can go, Callie wants to go. Her heart is prone to wonder. She's a nice dog. She's a cute dog. But she loves to take off and run away. And so what they did was they got these little collars and electrical fence around there. Y'all heard about these things? These are good. This might work with kids. Might work with kids. Anyway, so you put this collar and it's got two little electrodes on it. And so what they do is they teach the dog that as they get nearer to this buried fence, the thing starts beeping and going off. And then if they cross the line, you know what happens, don't you? Don't you think I work with the youth department? I think it worked great. I don't know. You know? So anyway, so the dog learns if I get any closer than the beep, 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 then I get a shock. Okay? Well, Rupp learned it very well. Rupp the compliant dog, he gets close to the property land, beep, beep, beep. He turns around and comes back. Oh, no, not Callie. Callie's learned something. Callie has learned that if she will go quickly, the pain is short-lived. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when she really wants to, we call it jailbreak, when she wants to jailbreak, she gets her speed up, and she hits that zone, and zing, off she goes before the pain can intensify. But the important thing to note is that the owner put up a barrier. And yeah, you, know you keep your heart from wandering? You put a barrier. And guess what the barrier is? Well, it's Jesus. And we're going to get to that. It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. You know, and our, our, key, our key verse today is Proverbs 4.23. Guard your heart with all diligence. Above everything else, guard your heart because out of it come the issues of life. So, so the, the wisest guy, the book of Proverbs, was written by a, a guy named Solomon, and he was a son of David, okay, and he was the wisest man, and I'll tell you why, in case you don't know because you need to know, why is he the wisest man in the world? Well, when he became king, you know, he said, you know, God, um, here's what I pray, I pray you'll give me wisdom. To, guard, to guide the people. I'm the new king, and you know, my father David's retired, and I, I need to lead these people. Please give me wisdom. And God said, okay, I'm going to give you wisdom, and because you didn't ask for money, I'm going to give you that too. So he became the wisest man in the world and became the richest man in the world. And he gives us some advice concerning words. And in this case, because it's in the Bible, not just words, but the word of God. So the, thing, the question is this, how do we guard our hearts? How do we keep our heart at home? How do we keep our heart from wandering? How do we keep our heart from jailbreaking? Okay? And that's how Solomon addresses the issue. Here's what he says. In Proverbs chapter 4, and verse number 20, he says this. My son, pay attention to my words. Listen closely to my sayings. Let me read that again. My son... Pay attention to my words. Listen closely to my sayings. Now, now you don't have to dig too deep to understand. There's more going on here than just simply hearing. He is knowing, just like a good mom and dad, when we get our kids down, we say, Now, listen, I want you to hear me. The, the mom and dad is saying, I want you to hear me with the intent of doing something. I want you to do something with what I'm about to give you. Well, when Solomon said to pay attention to my words, listen closely to my saying, he's saying, I have a purpose in mind. I want you to get, I want you to apply what I'm saying. Now, a guy named James, who's going to live a long time later than that, was the half-brother of Jesus. They had the same mama, but different fathers. Okay? With Jesus, he had the Jehovah Godfather. Okay? And with James... Joseph was his actual father, okay? But this guy is the half-brother of Jesus, all right? And here's what James says. In James 1, says this, "...but be doers of the word and not hearers only." And that's not the same. That's not the same. So if we want to keep our heart from wandering, we not only have to come to church and hear what some guy's got to say... It's not, it's not even like just reading the Word of God. You know, a lot of y'all say, well, I have my quiet time. I read the Word of God every day. It's more than that. It's hearing what a person may be saying about the Word of God. It's reading the Word of God, but letting that Word of God get into you. It's applying what you read or applying what you hear. I told somebody today, I said, if we come to church and don't apply anything we hear, it's a good thing to come to church, but we're really wasting our time. Because the power of the Word of God is not just in the hearing, but in the application. I mean, the Word of God has so much to say, and yet we've got to be willing to apply what we hear. So James says, don't be hearers, be doers of the Word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. And here's why. Because if anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like a man looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres and sticks in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but one who does good works, this person will be blessed. That's a great illustration. And you know what's why it's so good today? It's about men and women. Now let me tell you how men do this. Most men. We get up in the morning and we, we get out of the shower We stand before the mirror. I mean, there are hairs sticking out of our ears. There are things growing out of our nose. I mean, you know, there is like our, our hair is ruffled and, you know, all that kind of stuff going on. We may or may not shave. We did shave. We left a lot of it on our face. And we look at it and kind of go, okay. And we walk away. That's what men do. Not ladies. Ladies will get in front of the mirror and they'll say, this is good, but it can be better. And they sit there, and they pluck what needs to be plucked. They trim what needs to be trimmed. They get on their foundation. Okay, they, they wrote a song about that, How Firm a Foundation. And, and they put their foundation on, and then they put their blush on, and that's supposed to make their cheekbones stick out, and they put the mascara and all that stuff. Then they pluck her their lips out like this, and they get that lipstick on there. And they... I've seen Judy do this before. And she looks at that, and how it looks... And they take something that is good and make it better. Now, here's the deal. Too many of us are like the guy. We come to church, we read the Word of God, we read it, and it reflects in our hearts, but we instantly go, well, okay, whatever. And off we go into life. And our day's a disaster. James says we'd be much wiser to hear and apply. Spend some time in front of the mirror and let the word of God make what is bad better or what is good better. Let the word of God speak into your core, to speak into your apple, to speak into your heart. And that will help keep your heart from wondering. Does that make sense? I'm telling you, guys, if we're going to, if we're going to invest so much into the, into the idea and concept of going to God's house or reading God's Word, let's do it with the intent of change. Let's come and ask God, Okay, God, I'm showing up today. Get a hold of my heart. Either through the worship or through the Word. I'm in Sunday school class. I'm reading the Word of God. Speak to my heart. Get a hold of me. Help me change some stuff in my life. Because I'm telling you what, again... We've got to get the Word of God in, it, in us to change us. In us to change us. So the wisest guy in the world says, "Play, Pay close attention to the Word. Apply it, just don't hear it. Then he goes further. In verse number 21, the first part, he says this, back in Proverbs. Don't lose sight of them. Don't lose sight of them. Pay attention. Follow them closely. And don't lose sight of them. All right, now here's the deal. Have you ever been trying to follow somebody in traffic? And, and your wife or your husband says, Hey, look at this. And you look, and you look up, and the car's gone. Oh, no, we lost them. Oh, no, we lost them. What are we going to do? Or how many of y'all have ever had a kid in the mall? You cannot take your eyes off that child for one moment. And by the way, I'm going to tell y'all something because I'm old now and I've learned these lessons. If you can't find your kid, look in the middle of the clothes rack. They love to hide there. And then, and then when you're like, you know, I'm going to call the police and all this stuff, you, you see this little face peek out between the dresses and go peekaboo, a boo And you want to kill him, You want to kill him. That's what you want to do. All right, so, so you've got to keep your eyes on the kid. Let, men, listen, listen, men. Don't be frustrated. Keep your eyes on your wife at the mall. She'll leave you. And really, it's embarrassing when it happens in the lingerie department. Y'all know what I'm talking about. She'll lead you in there like a lamb to the slaughter. And next thing you know, you're standing in the lady's lingerie by yourself. Everybody's going, and why is he there? (laughs) Keep your eyes. Keep your eyes on your wife. Well, the Word of God says, the wise guy in the world says, don't lose sight of them. Fix your eyes on a destination, on a goal, on a person. Now, if you're a Jesus follower, you'll get this fully. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 2, the, the author of Hebrews says, Looking unto Jesus, and I the, the old King James, fixing your eyes on Jesus, locking your eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the expert in this faith thing. So, lock your eyes to keep your heart from wandering, lock your eyes on Jesus because he's the author and finisher of our faith. And all that, he's our practical example, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising and shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we fix our eyes on Jesus, because he's a great practical example for us. The Hebrew, book of Hebrews says, we have this great high priest who is tempted like we are, yet without sin. Yet without sin. So we can follow and fix our eyes on Christ, and that will keep our heart from Wandering, because you've noticed something, haven't you? Have you ever been driving, and you look at something, and your car goes that way, or you look at this way, and it goes this way? Our eyes lead the car. Our eyes can lead our heart. So fix your eyes on what your heart, what you want your heart to go toward, and keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen, amen. All right, all right. That's the second thing. The third thing is this okay? We got to listen carefully to the word. We're going to don't lose sight of them and we're going to keep them within your heart. Here's what he says. Keep them within your heart. Let me say it again. Keep them within your heart. In other words, we've got to find a way to implant that word in that very heart. That heart that has a tendency to wonder. We're going to put the word of God in that heart. Now, y'all know I like food, If you don't know me yet, just stick around. I'll talk about food within the first five minutes of our lives together. Okay? Talk about food somewhere in the conversation. Love food. Love food. But here's the deal. There are three ways you can look at food. One, you can analyze it. Now listen, I know some of y'all love this gourmet food mess. Okay? Y'all like it when they come out. You pay $45 for a plate and it's got one little speck of food in the middle and y'all think that's wonderful. They, 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 they sit there and they, they do sausage real fancy in a fancy design, okay? And they make sure the leaf is leaned just the right way and all that stuff. Listen, analyze. That's one thing you can do with food. But let me just tell you something. They ain't going to do nothing for your hunger. Ain't going to do nothing for your hunger, okay? Second, we, we, can, we can put an external application. Now, I don't have too many examples of this, but two. I was down in the Dominican Republic. And them people lay out on the beach there. And I walked by a woman, and you know what she had on her eye? Cucumbers. Now, i tell you, I know, I know, I've seen, I've seen this on TV, too. I've seen this on TV. But, but here's the deal. To me, a foodie, that seems like a terrible waste of a cucumber to me. Because, again, it's not going to do anything, it's not going to do anything internally for me. And, and some of y'all back in the 60s, you used to wash your hair with mayonnaise, didn't you? Don't y'all know mayonnaise is made for peanut butter and mayonnaise sandwiches? That's what it's made for. Absolutely. So we can apply it on the outside, but guess what? It ain't going to change us or do our hunger. In order for food to do us any good, we've got to get it inside. We've got to let it become a part of us. And the psalmist, again, the Proverbs wrote, wrote, keep them within your heart. The Word of God just can't be on the outside. We can't just analyze. Oh, we love to analyze the Word of God. We'll analyze it and analyze it and study it and analyze it and not apply a stinking thing. And sometimes we'll do a superficial application and change some habits. Man, let the Word of God get in your heart where it can do the most good, where it can change the man that you are and the part that matters. Listen to this. Oh, what a wonderful scripture. And the book of Psalm. And the whole Psalm 119 is all about the Word of God. Listen what it says. How can a young man keep his way pure? Boy, is that a good question. How can an old man keep his way pure? How can a young woman keep her way pure? How can a middle-aged parent keep their way pure? It's the same application. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your word. I have sought you with all my heart, the psalmist says. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. The third way, how do you keep your heart from wandering? You saturate it with the word of God. Now, why the the big deal, Dwayne? Well, in case you haven't figured this out yet, when we follow the word, and again, if you're a Jesus follower, you hang around church, you'll get this. The more we saturate ourselves with the word of God, the more we follow the word of God, we have fewer regrets and smaller consequences. I mean, I mean you know, we can we play the God card. Well, you're, you're a believer in Jesus Christ, so you ought to follow the Word of God. Or don't you know they died for you? You ought to follow the Word of God. That's fine. I'm just telling you real practically today. If you're wondering why you all let the Word of God saturate your heart... Is because the more saturated you are with the Word of God, which means the more you've applied the Word of God, the less consequences you're going to have in your life and the fewer regrets you're going to have at the end. And that's real good reasoning. That's real good reasoning. I'm telling you, the Christian, the Jesus thing, the God thing, the Christian thing is so practical if you'll let it. So, Don't you dare think God is archaic. Don't you dare think that God's out of date. Don't dare think that the gospel's old stuff. Friend, it's as fresh as this morning's new paper, newspaper and fresher. And it changes lives today. And it can so help you eliminate the, the disastrous consequences. Come on, come on, come on. Isn't it true that so much of what you did was based on a decision that you made when your heart was following the wrong treasure? And man, the consequences are huge. Some of you are on a different third, fourth, fifth marriage because of that. Did you hear Colton's story? At 13, he had run in with the law. As a young teenager, addicted to drugs. Don't we all have those issues in our lives? And they always involved when our heart was following the wrong treasure. So Solomon says, the wisest man in the world says, follow, follow, and allow the word of God to saturate heart. So so one more time, and I got like nine minutes here. So so how 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 does that result? What's the result of doing that? Well, here it is. In verse 22, the second A, he says this, verse 22 A, for they are life to those who find them. When we set our treasure on heaven and not on earth, and our heart wanders and follows that pathway to the kingdom of God and following after the kingdom of God... Real life begins. Someone once said this. Yeah, you don't really start living until you follow Jesus. That life, in fact, the Bible says without Jesus, we're dead in trespasses and sins. We're not even living. We're not even going to life. And, and you know this, by the way. Perhaps you're one of the people that bought the $48,000 truck, which that's, that's cool. But now you're about the second year of payments that are going to run nine years, and you're going, I'm not sure the wisdom of that. Maybe maybe, there's a, you know, maybe, you've, maybe you're young and you're attracted to a person and you married that person without really checking out what their heart was like and you're in the third year of a marriage and you're going, I'm not sure we're going to make this. Yeah, that happens. It happens. So, so what do you do with this? You, first off, make sure you've experienced Jesus. I'm all for church. Church is fine, but I want to make something readily clear today. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Look around this room and how many people are here today, every one of us are sinners. Every one. If you want if you're a place to hang around sinners, you have come to the right place because in this room, we're all sinners. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God. But the Bible also says that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We have that cross up there for a reason. Two thousand years ago, a man named Jesus, who I just talked about earlier, about St. Mama, but Jehovah God was his father. He was the God-man, more God man, one sent God, Marim sent Man. He lived a sinless life, and they nailed him to a cross. It wasn't martyr, it wasn't murder, it was a sacrifice, it was redemption, it was a rescue. He died that people like you and I could have forgiveness of our sins. Don't care. Don't care how long your sin list is. If you count yourself good or bad, however that weighs out, he died for you. And it's not about church. It's not about baptism or being a Baptist. It's about Jesus Christ and what he did for us. So these words, the, the, uh, Solomon says, they are life to those who find them. You see, the word is more than the word. Well, let me read it to you. This is John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. If you really want to start living today, it begins with Jesus. And if you want to live more, give your heart fresh and new, and make sure it's not wandering the wrong way. Make sure your heart is focused on the kingdom of God. It'll help your parenting, it'll help your marriage. It'll help your life. It'll sustain your character. It'll give you peace. It'll give you joy. All the things that we value, Jesus and the Word can do that. So the first result is this. They are life to those who find them. And lastly, in verse 22b, and health to one's whole body. The fulfillment of purpose. It's getting up out of the bed and know why you exist. It's getting out of bed and knowing what God, the plan that God has for you and how incredible that it is. You know, there's a scripture over in John chapter 6, verse 63. Jesus said, it's the spirit who gives life. It's the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words I've spoken to you are spirit and their life. The flesh is no help. That's why religion won't work. That's why stopping and starting habits won't work. The flesh is no help at all. But the words that Jesus speaks lie their spirit and their life. So how do you guard your heart? How do you guard your heart? You hold them closely to you. You you fix your eyes on the subject of the word, which is Jesus Christ. Those are things how how you give and how you keep your heart, how you tether your heart and keep it from wonder. You know, every, every time we get together, we have a decision time. And it, it's, it's two things, actually. It's, it's one, you know, our bottom line, hopefully every week, is this. If you're here today and you've never experienced the amazing grace that we sang about and what you've heard about today in Jesus Christ, if you've never accepted that gift, my friend Brent's going to be standing down front. And our purpose of doing that is saying, hey, for you to come down and say, hey, I want to know more about this Jesus. That's quite amazing. And we'd be glad to share with you what Jesus can do in your life and what he's already done for you on a Roman cross. The second part is this. Those of us who are Christ followers already, those of us who are already following Christ, maybe you're here today and you know what you said, okay, my heart's wandering. The treasure, the treasure that I'm following is not the eternal treasure. It's the temporal treasure. And maybe today you want to tether your heart. You wanna tie your heart back and come home. And come home to Jesus Christ. Prone to wonder? Lord, I feel it. Prone to lead the God I love. Take my heart, O oh Lord, and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Would you bow your heads, please? Well, Father, I sure thank you for the privilege of sharing this and I want to thank you, God, that your grace is still amazing. I want to thank you that you've called us to a life far above what the world understands. You've called it the abundant life. And God, our hearts are prone to wonder. Some here, they may have never come home, and they need Jesus for the first time. I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd speak to their hearts. They may not understand that terminology, but they will understand that pull that they have Something telling them, this is what you've been looking for. Give them the courage and the boldness, Tom Kate Brent by the hand, so they can discover more about knowing Jesus. And for all of us, we thank you, Father, for changing our hearts. You call it born again. Uh, we still in this old life have a tendency to wander. So Lord, help us to look and ascertain where our hearts are today. Make sure, Father, what treasure we are collecting. If we find ourselves seeking that treasure that's so temporary, bring us home today. Help us to refocus. Help us to fix our eyes back on Christ. And Father, if we find ourselves in our heart on the heavenly kingdom, on that treasure, thank you for that. But God, let us never take that for granted. Father, let us tether our heart fresh and anew every day by hearing and applying the Word of God. So thank you, God, for these folks that you've assembled here today. Thank you for this message. Now, God, may we have the wisdom to apply it to our lives. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.